Namo tassa pakavato arhato sama samputassa. Namo tassa pakavato arhato sama samputassa. Namo tassa pakavato arhato sama samputassa. Bhuttang damang sankhang namasami. So the long-awaited moment has come, a chance to do this once you retreat. And uh, we've had, uh, as a Sangha and people who are resident uh, guests here, we've had quite a busy year, but busy good, accomplished a lot. And this winter retreat for us as a resident community is uh, quite important to get a balance in our yearly cycle. So I'm feeling tremendous gratitude that uh, six lay people have uh, taken on the duty and uh, to, to join us in the retreat, but also to help us be a bit more silent and put down some of our duties. It's very, very helpful. So the first emotion I feel to start this is gratitude. And I feel gratitude to the bhikkhus for being here. We all, and we all almost be doing something pretty good to be here, I think, no matter what our minds might produce, the fact that we have the, the wisdom and intelligence to be practicing this path, that we have good enough health to be doing this, that we have resources and space in our life to be able to practice like this, this is quite rare. It's quite a rare thing. And in Buddhism we'd say that there's a lot of virtue, a lot of accumulated virtue that gives us this opportunity. We began by uh, doing some sitting meditation, some chanting of the Noble Eightfold Path, but the ceremony of asking for forgiveness is something that's quite central, actually, to, to our relationship as fellow practitioners. And it's quite simply a... a it's a ritual, but its heart is the one of asking for forgiveness. So if anything, the group asks the senior person, if there's anything I've done which is inappropriate, please forgive me and offer me reflection. And then the senior person uh, responds in the same way. If anything I've done, please uh, forgive me and uh, offer me reflection. And it's a kind of... Uh, it, it indicates that we're, we're we're trying to support each other in this work, and that if we make mistakes, please don't hold them, don't hold them to heart, and uh, offer me reflection. And it's a two-way thing. It's not just about me telling everyone. Um, it's a kind of two-way thing. And then for the for the lay group, you take the uh, refuges and precepts, and that is a standard form. It's, it's similar to the way we do the Patimoka. Every fortnight we, we review the Patimoka. We review our rules, we review our commitment. And it's it's highly ritualized, but it's very good to have, I think, rituals and times and occasions in, in the week or in the month where one redetermines one's uh, attitudes and, and, and the reason we're here, the reason we've um, taken this time, and the reason we we are interested in the path, and that's, a, that's one of the gifts that we have from being in an old tradition. We have these rituals, which can be kind of very beautiful. And it's such a child, as I was saying the other day, Saturday, I think, 
Ajahn Chah would say, if you want to meditate, meditate. If you don't want to meditate, meditate. And this is the nature of, of using uh, duties as practice, so all the duties that we might have. When the feeling of liking arises, we do it. When the feeling of disliking arises, we do it. Not, not to suppress the feelings of, of not liking, but seeing that they are simply things that pass through the mind. But the, the sense of being um, diligent in one's duties is, is the kind of vehicle that carries you carries you in, in a kind of social engagement rather than um, just choosing and preferring and selecting what I'm going to do in this 24-hour period. There's something so obviously we have choice in, but the the idea of, of monastic, one of the ideas of monasticism central to our life is the idea of surrender. You kind of have a chance to give up to something, the precepts and the routines and so on, and just watch in that in that format, what happens? I like it, I dislike it. Uh, the chanting, I find difficult. I like it, I dislike it. Uh, I'd rather be on my own. I'd rather be with a group. Any manner of thing come up. But if we want to meditate, we meditate. If we don't want to meditate, we meditate. We just watch. And, and that, that watching is really the basis of a peaceful mind that can observe the way things are and, and observe their arising and ceasing and not get enmeshed in our uh, in our desires to have them different. And then after after the sixteenth, we'll break up and and have less uh, less structure. But but hopefully we'll have the the um, motivation and 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 self discipline then to carry on practicing formal practice as much as possible according to our own energies. Now, the word practice itself can can become an obsession. We can kind of have to practice. I have to do so many hours. So many of us, at least for me, when I was a young monk, I would lay out all kinds of enormous schedules that I had to maintain and, and uh, fulfill. And it was quite a, a kind of striving energy, which I had to learn from. It wasn't, it was, it kept me at it, as it were, but it didn't really make me happy. Because it was based on kind of old habits of I must meditate, whereas I think the awakened mind isn't 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 a kind of compelling obsession. It's a rather mature knowing of each moment, moment by moment, and that's the really what we're doing. We're, we're basically practicing mindfulness for for this period of time, which shouldn't be that much different from what we're doing all the time. But but now. We have a much less complicated life, especially for, for the bhikkhus. And there's a certain amount of refinement that is possible there, or a certain amount of restlessness that comes up because one doesn't have the distractions that one is uh, used to to um, being involved in. And that's okay, too, just to watch how uh, a very open schedule, say, later on, there's absolutely nothing to do. How does one respond to that? How does one respond to that? You kind of get obsessed with having to do a certain number of hours or does one just get really kind of complacent and uh, sleep a lot and just walk around a lot and have, have, have no real focus and no clarity. So whatever way it comes up, uh, we're trying to awaken to that and not let a sense of self get embedded into that, to think that I'm going to somehow be diligent all the time 
and and really focused would be uh, be a kind of dangerous position to take. But but to know that I I really don't feel like practicing, and to really allow that to become conscious is the practice. Is the practice, or is a kind of willful practice? I have to practice, and then uh, pushing oneself for an hour, two hours, three hours, just with a kind of willful background to it, still usually based on bhavatana, but to practice a lot of hours of formal practice, but look at like compulsions and, and the desire to attain and the desire to have insights or the desire to get rid of some obsessive pattern of thinking, to actually keep awakening to that and letting it go through you rather than trying to control it, suppress it, letting it go through conscious, letting it really become fully conscious without uh, making a problem out of it. And so the way we, we really are encouraged to do that is through the, the um, Noble Eightfold Path and, and, and specifically through uh, what we mean by attachment to craving, attachment to wanting things to be other than they are, or attachment to wanting to get something else. And this is a... In craving is... We, we have kind of technical language that we use in, in Buddhism. So the word of Sankara I was using last week a lot. And then Tanha itself is is uh, is a wanting which is uh, imbued with with ignorance, we would say. Tanha is the, the Pali word. Usually it's it's translated as craving. So um, but it, there is wanting which is wholesome. We're here because we want to understand we're here uh, when I want to like take care of someone, someone's sick, I want to offer them a, a thermos of tea or something like that. That's a very wholesome wanting because it's based on compassion and generosity. But the wanting that we mean by, that, that we refer to when we talk about tanha is always, we call it ignorant wanting or ego wanting or uh, stupid wanting or whatever we want, want to uh, phrase it. And it's basically, uh, it comes from yeah, the, the kind of assumption that if I get the sankharas into the right kind of constellation, if I can get them all sort of lined up really, really nicely, that somehow I'll find fulfillment in the sankharas. And that's the, the, the kind of pull of the pleasant and unpleasant that we have in life. We, we certainly have a constellation of sankharas, our body, our mind, the weather, situation, all, all might come together and we feel really uh, blissed out or high or, or, or confident and so on. And, and those, con- those kind of uh, coming together are very, very nice, but all of us know how they can quickly change to something else. And, and the pursuit of that, the pursuit of that, the pursuit of any sankara, as being fulfilling, we would say, is, is, is imbued with ignorance. Um, not stupidity and a kind of lack of IQ, not, not that way, but it's just looking in the wrong place, you know, looking, looking for something uh, fulfilling in, in that which cannot be fulfilling. Having said that, we can still do things which, are, which can brighten the mind, just as I can, um, I can put a nice warm, fluffy coat on to keep my body warm. I can also make suggestions 
in consciousness, make intentions in consciousness, which uh, which brighten the mind, which bring bring forth uh, wholesome states of mind. But that's not based on craving. That's not based on me in this moment not wanting this particular mind state. So I do this other practice to get this kind of blissful feeling they talk about later on. No, the the cultivation of the wholesome or skillful is always in the present moment. It's just a, a use of mindfulness, just as you use a, um, you use a, a a good paring knife to 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 chop a, a piece of celery, and you do it skillfully. That's always in the moment. It's not like you you hope to have a moment where you're going to chop celery skillfully. You do it in the moment. In the same way, in developing the the wholesome states of mind, they're not based on craving. They're not based on becoming. They're based on present moment awareness and a wisdom of how to use uh, the mind skillfully for focus, uh, for opening the heart, and, and such like. And the same with the unwholesome, like states of oh, self-doubt or confusion or jealousy or anger or fear or you know, whatever it might be. We're not trying to get rid of those but we're beginning to see that they they have a certain power, a certain energy according to our conditioning. They come up, but when we don't invest any self-identity uh, with them, they fade, they go away, they pass away. They both fade in the present, but also their future potential fades away because we're no longer believing them and feeding them. So the abandonment of the unwholesome is also not based on craving. It's not based on, on a kind of um, ego wanting. Certainly, I don't want uh, anger, and I, I don't want fear. I don't find them comfortable. Just as I don't want to have a flu, uh, I don't want to have a toothache, and that's very, very natural. But the, the skill of the contemplative is to understand, well, what is it that keeps something unskillful running through the mind? And when you understand that with attachment and thought and uh, repression and those different ways we deal with this, when the, the wisdom is there, then it's okay to feel unwholesome states of mind, but they lose their sting and they, they, they lose their unwholesomeness because they're seen as simply sankaras, not to be attached to, but not to be denied. And so the work with the wholesome and unwholesome is always from the awakened mind. The work with wholesome and unwholesome is always... Um, from, from a perspective of a present moment awareness, whereas the, the, the compulsion of tanha, compulsion of craving, is, usually, is based on history, something I want that I read about or that I had or that I experienced, and moving into the future to get that again. And that then denies the present moment, and I don't want this moment, I want some other kind of moment. So to, to, to do that, the, the fundamental basic practice has to be of awakening to the way things are. If we don't have that first, and we're not aware of the kind of underlying impulses, then it won't work. So that's the emphasis you always, you always find in Buddhism's mindfulness. What, what, is it, what is it really like now? What is it like to be in your skin now? What is it like to be in your consciousness now? And then that, that sense of... Um, allowing or recognizing or, or welcoming even gives wisdom a chance to function and 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 we all of us have um, 
wisdom. It's not, it's not lacking in any of us. We just have to give it time to show us what to do. And, and often that's the case. You, 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 you struggle with some, something in your meditation or you struggle with something in relationship to others. And um, if you give it time and just say, well, it's just, it just doesn't really feel good right now. I feel really, there's no focus or whatever. You make that conscious, the lack of focus or the um, hindrance which is preventing you from staying in the moment. You just make that conscious first. You recognize that or label it if you want. And just be very patient. Then, then wisdom is functioning because you're, you're noticing the way things are. You're not denying it. And then wisdom, wisdom's response to that is always uh, appropriate. It's appropriate if you just give it a chance. Opinions and views are, 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 are okay, but quite often opinions and views are grounded in... They're grounded in past history, and, and um, it's not wrong to have opinions and views, but if, if our opinions and views are based upon craving what we should be, what we shouldn't be, then they don't allow us to see the way things are. So much of, you know, to, to really awaken the mind, you have to just, you have to abandon thought for a while. So kind of give up thinking about it and let it be, let it be what it is. To, to, to feel the temperature in this room, I have to stop thinking about the temperature and just feel. And that feeling and that sensitivity is not in thought. It's, 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 it's broader than thought. Later on, thought comes in, commentary comes in, and so on. But that, that moment of awakening is, is, is not, it's free from thought. It's free from uh, analysis. It's free from judgment. It's just very, very pure. And that purity is hard to sustain, uh, challenging to sustain. It's very hard to stay in the present moment. And so we have the idea of training. We're training to try to do that. So the training is not becoming to suggest to yourself, uh, okay, I'm just trying to awaken to the way things are. So like during this sitting, uh, I felt quite tired. I was kind of surprised. And my, my, my mind kept trying to uh, zone out of the present moment. So that's the practice. I'm going to just recognize, okay, that's going to be in the sitting now. Um, that's what, what I work with. And, and that just very, very simple recognition uh, allows you to understand how to be with, with whatever it is. So, so my, my head would snap and I'd pull up my body, my head would snap and I'd pull up my body and that was the meditation. And it's all right, it's very peaceful. And it, it's really a, a, as simple as that. If you get like, a, what are they called, mind worms or earworms that keep... You get an old song going through your head, or some old, some kind of a clever plan you're going to do in the future, or or some historic resentment that comes up, and and the mind just keeps churning it over and over and again. That's more difficult. That's much 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 more difficult. But process is the same. It's like oh, oh this is this is a sense of um, anxiety about what I'm going to do in April. And then the mind picks that up and it thinks and it thinks. And that just indicates a very strong uh, habit in consciousness. Those kind of, I think they're called earworms or mind worms. They just keep going on in, 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 in um, repetitive cycles. And those are important because they, they are, they're, they're grounded in something 
um, that is highly conditioned into the mind. And when they come up, they're, they're not bad, actually. They're an opportunity for what we call purification. So the arising of a very kind of obsessive, a repetitive pattern, um, when one tries to go, kind of, kind of get under it. What, where, what does it feel like before it starts thinking? What is it like before I, I create a sense of self around it? And then one touches some of the, the kind of energies of suffering that we have, uh, maybe uh, kind of energies of fearfulness or cruelty or or, or um, uh, greed or whatever, and just being with those, they're, they're quite. Um, they're quite threatening actually because they seem so permanent one just keeps dropping the thought going to them, awakening to them dropping a thought, awakening to them their power recedes too this takes this takes fortitude, it takes patience and, and the wisdom to know that that which arises ceases and it's not permanent, it's not mine it seems quite permanent these, these kind of repetitive things and sometimes nothing special is going on it's just ho-hum sometimes you know, you feel really, really uh, confident. Sometimes you don't feel confident. Sometimes you can really sit very easily. Sometimes you can't. All of them are sankharas. All of them arise and cease, arise and cease. And that witnessing posture of knowing change is our constant refuge, our constant uh, avenue to, to that which is peaceful in the mind. Okay, I'll leave that for your reflection. Andamayantamakatasatukarangatamase. Sadu, sadu, sadu,